quiet and good order will be maintained in our city to the best of our ability. Riots, melees, and disturbances of the peace are against the interest of all our people and therefore cannot be permitted. Interrupt this program to bring you on behalf of the United States government. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Stand by. I'll be right there. Now, here comes the music. is the best of everything STL beyond FM and uh, we are uh, on location today usually well lately we've been at our beautiful new studio in Collinsville but now we are hanging out uh, with Josh Loyal and uh, and hanging out in the the factory here of, of mighty kind and I'm sampling a little little bit of, of the delicious beverage and, I'm, and what am I drinking pineapple is there a certain name to it or just um, that is our, our loyal hemp brand which uh, we created to uh, to educate people and uh, give them a it's it's made with delta 8 THC so it's a specific type of THC that kind of has a little different feeling than your normal D Delta nine THC. Uh, that's kind of the one we all know as, as, as weed or marijuana or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. We'll dip into that here in a little bit. I'm getting, hold on. I'm going to get a little bit closer cause I'm getting echo. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, let's start off talking, talking with you because I know you've, you've, been in the music scene uh in st louis and so you're tied to that plus um plus your family business next door we're going to talk about that a little bit but first let's just let's just get to to know josh loyal and um so 
tell me about yourself and, and where it all started. You can either start with the music side or you can start with the Mighty Kind side if you, and then we'll flip-flop back and forth. Yeah. Um, uh, as far as the memory works, uh, it kind of started together. Um, there's a night in particular that I remember when I was in college, and maybe it goes back further because my dad kind of was that father that had we had a basement bar with like recycled doors and things made into like the bar front and um you know the back shelves were f- from something else and so we had kind of this fun little retro fridge played Al Green, Marvin Gaye, Bob Dylan, all the music that my dad, you know, kind of was listening to at that time. He was into Motown and into lighting candles and enjoying that atmosphere. So I, I was, I feel like I have that at my core. I remember in college when I, when it really kind of, you know, the memory that, that is, is, is there and, and bright was I rented out one of the football players houses. It was called green door for an obvious reason. I had a green door. <laughs> um, I rented out the house for a night. I had my friend's band play that was playing, uh, covers of 311 and Beastie Boys and, you know, stuff at that time, Rage Against the Machine. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, a party that I stood at the front door. I charged five bucks to get in. I bought a stack of red cups. I had a keg of beer that I acquired, and I was literally selling tickets and cups to the beer all at the front door. I hired the band. I rented the room. I did the whole thing, you know, and I was like, all right, I could, I I can see where this is going, you know, and looking back, it all makes sense. My dad, uh, in college, my second year messaged me and, you know, was like, Hey, you know, mom, me and your mom are getting a divorce. Um, and you know, thinking about opening a bar. <laughs> That's you what know, you do, and That's I was what like, you do after a divorce. He's, he was a carpenter for 25 years, and I was, a, you know, finding myself as a promoter, mm-hmm. you know, of good times. And so it kind of made sense. I was uh, learning to bartend at, at a catering company, and, you know, we were good at throwing parties, and it was like, well, we, we have people over at the house all the time. I had my sisters are uh, two and three years younger than me, so we're all you know, close in age Mm -hmm. and all of our friends have kind of overlapped over over the years and been kind of one big fun group of, of, uh, of family. And so when I was 21, it was, you know, Hey, let's, let's open a bar together with your dad and all my friends would come. And then all my sister's friends would come that you knew were two or three years too young to be in there. They'd have to have like their sister's ID or, you know, or their brother's ID or like somebody's older. And then you'd like some of the, some of the siblings, you're like, you weren't sure which one it was. You're like, wait a second. I, were you in here last night? You know, it's like, no, that was, that must've been my brother. Uh, but it was an entertaining thing to have a bar with your family and, and be 21 and your sisters be, you know, 18 and 19. And so it took three years for everybody to become legal and be able to all be. So those first three years, there's a lot of, it was a lot of fun. There's a lot, you know, we had all our friends bands playing. Um, you know, we had open jam sessions on Tuesday nights. We, I mean, 
did all kinds of music throughout those years. Um, everything from bluegrass to hip hop, to dubstep to, you know, jazz nights with John Wolf and Dave Black and Matt Kimmick. And I mean, it, we've, we've had all kinds of stuff. Bass player from fish came and played there one late night. Um, it's, it's, um, you know, lots of jam band stuff. Cause that's what I enjoyed myself. So I might as well book it, you know, what I enjoy. Oh, yeah. So we always had a, a, an emphasis on jam band and hippie stuff. And they also drink good and they're fun to hang out with at the bar. So it was like, you know, the bluegrass and grateful dead stuff as a bar owner, it's just easy. Yeah. It's fun. You know, everybody's in a good mood. They're all, you know, they all, <laughs> they like to eat. They like to drink. They like to have a good time. You know, it's a, it, it, it it's funny cause the bar has kind of gotten a reputation of that, but it's also just kind of what, you know, you go with the flow and what's needed in your area and your town and your community. And if there's a bunch of other things that are taken care of, then you fill, fill a different void or a niche or whatever. Yeah. And we've always been pretty flexible in that space where I don't have, I'll have a jazz night or a bluegrass night. I had reggae nights over the years, you know, where I'd have a full reggae band in the blue moon. And, um, you know, we used to have public property from Iowa city come there and had three, they had three vocalists, backup singers there it was like an eight-piece band wow <laughs> you know taking yeah. up a third of the bar <laughs> um so i've always had a passion for the music it, it kind of came out of that um i shortly after opening up i remember going and hanging out at venice cafe you know when i was 20 21 22 years old um seeing benny smith and james crutchfield playing the blues on wednesday nights was a game changer for me i was I remember one night when I was buying a CB, like a CD and a t-shirt from Benny or maybe helping somebody else buy it. It was like I had their money and I was making sure the sale happened. You know, I was like, I'm going to, I'll get this for you. I'll make, cause they were going to leave or whatever. I'm like, give me the money. I'll, you know, <laughs> he needs this money, you know, and that whole vibe. And I remember just like how amazing Benny Smith was to watch him play. Hey Joe at the end of the night was just it was like church and he would just tear the roof off that place and he was like 85 you know years old still playing every night to sell cds out of his trunk like hustling you know at 85 i mean he should have been playing fox theater and getting paid fucking hundred thousand dollars a show you know or whatever like it just it was to me i was like man there's these musicians like this need help they need somebody to help them. And it, you know, it really got me on that path. Like that, that night and, and that Wednesday night at Venice in general, as of what it was for me, it, it was a, something that I hung on to and was like, I'm going to, I'm, this is something I'm going to help change somehow. <laughs> the more artists that I can help, like, with their careers so that they can get to a point where they don't have to keep playing bars all the way until they're 80 years old yeah. just to survive, you know, and they're kind of haggling over $150 here and there. And like, you know, it was like, I used to see them argue over like somebody getting not 50 bucks more or whatever. And I was like, God damn, you guys are all worth thousands. Yeah. <laughs> this is insane. You know? And so that, that, I think that, uh, that definitely has, stuck with me through time. I mean, I've 
I've really made a. I've spent a lot of my time and and energy and money and just ever all my resources, you know, helping helping bands and helping music events and helping festivals happen and you know all that kind of stuff. divorced open the bar and you're kind of all joining along in it and you got the bug to open your own place let's talk about that yeah so yeah just before that i realized that if i was going to do what if i was going to do this helping bands and and promoting music and all that i had to make it a business outside of the blue moon which is when loyal family started um loyal family started about 2003 so i was four years into the bar business and i was doing shows under a handful of names like i did uh i did joshua the producer which i always laugh at uh tyler the creator (laughs) so i was like i did joshua the producer back in like 98 (laughs) you know like 99 i guess it was about 2000 i made an iron on t-shirt that said joshua the producer and it was this you know, clip art thing that I kind of manipulated to make it 
swervy and kind of yeah. trippy and it's a Joshua the producer and some you know probably impact font or something under it <laughs> and it was super simple and I only did a couple shows under that and then I did the orange bus because I had an orange 73 VW van at the time and I so I did the orange bus pre- presents and I was like just trying to find my identity and then I did Middleman Productions because I knew that was part of the whole concept. That was too literal. And I was like, oh, I did like, I remember I did a KDHX birthday party um, in the early 2000s. And Benny Smith came and played at Pops Blue Moon for it. And it was like Middleman Productions presents KDHX's birthday at Pops Blue Moon, you know. And KDHX at that time was, you know, pretty small and intimate as a radio station. And that was literally their birthday party. Which I think is also the one that Dre has a picture of me dumping the birthday cake on the floor <laughs> because <laughs> I held the birthday cake and it got like blew the candles out or mm-hmm. whatever or somebody else did and then I like turned and thought for some reason it was a good idea to show everyone in the crowd the cake <laughs> so I literally just leaned it down like this oh. and the whole thing just slid right off onto the floor <laughs> yeah and uh that was a fun a fun KDHX birthday memory um but anyway, I the middleman productions that, and then I remember writing a whole bunch of names down on this notebook pad, probably two columns full, like you know, fifty different potential names that had moons and stars and Leos and lions and all the things I was into, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what the next brand was going to be because I knew I needed a brand. And Loyal Family is one of the like three that I circled on that page of 50 and then it made it to the final and was like you know this works loyal family's like it's got this italian mafia back mm-hmm. i feel it has this hip-hop vibe to it. it has this hippie like uh family dog from the 60s and 70s and the west coast vibe like hippie you know mm-hmm. grateful dead it's like somehow that that those words together worked for all that stuff and maybe I'm biased because I, I, you know, I thought it and I, <laughs> I was feeling it and I, you know, and for 20 years I've been kind of living it. Um, I, the Joshua loyal thing actually was just Facebook when it started, I didn't want to put my real name. So I just put Joshua loyal cause I wasn't really sure what Facebook was. And, and then it, it appeared to be my real name and I got some interviews and articles and write-ups and they just didn't even ask. They just thought my name was Joshua Loyal and <laughs> my grandma calls me and's like, what's wrong with your guidance? And I'm like, well, not, I mean, it is kind of hard to spell and say, you got to admit, <laughs> but nothing grandma like that wasn't me on purpose i just they didn't ask my name they thought that it was because you know whatever it's just like oh you should use your real name blah 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 and i'm like and then it just kind of stuck and it and it ended up being something that i did just end up kind of living not only the the loyal family vibe with my my sisters and my dad my mom and brothers they all over time have worked with me on my projects or kind of embraced it a little bit, you know, or, or at the moon, which is my father's place, every one of my relatives. And this includes two uncles, two brothers, aunt, three cousins, two sisters. They've all worked there Mm -hmm. over the time. So the loyal family is literally what I live and breathe. It's, it's me and my dad and all of our businesses and all of our family. Whenever somebody needs a job, then they come and, you know, we'll find them something to do. We'll figure it out, you know? <laughs> so it, it, it's a, you know, the loyal family thing started in 2003, uh, 2000, 
six, I went and promoted Wakarusa Festival and Summer Camp Festival, and we went to 25 or 30 cities and promoted the festival and did these Battle of the Bands tours and put a lot of love into the whole Battle of the Bands concept that doesn't always work when it's just a popularity contest. But when yeah. you when you can really check off all the boxes and make sure you're putting together a good quality event of just a showcase of talent that's arranged properly, communicated properly, benefited from properly, I think you can find the right equation. Uh, now, that being said, it's very easy to not give it a lot of love and give it a bad name. So I understand there's that love-hate thing with Battle of the Bands, and I totally understand it. Um, I know that what we were doing was very good, well, also, and the I way mean, we were doing it was good. And Battle of the Bands always, to me, always uh, <clears throat> seemed like something just a rock thing and not yeah. anything else. You know, like, oh, we'll play the Battle of the Bands. Right. You know, and it's like some metal show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the battle in general is the idea was like, we, you know, it was, it was me. Um, it was me on stage um, pretty much talking to the fans and explaining what we were doing. We were on the road. We were there for, you know, we were about love. We were wanting fans to cross paths with other bands that they're usually all out hustling their own gigs in their own bars and not getting together and checking in with each other and saying, Hey, you know, that was a good song. I didn't even know you guys were playing that now or Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. We were seeing it happen. Every city we're going into, we're like, dude, these bands are enjoying just being together. We forced them into a room together tonight, you know, where they're used to just all, they're all segregated and they're all doing their own things. And it's really hard to get the five top acts in a similar scene all together, you know? And, and if that's the thing is if you can, and you can, you know, you can all benefit from something there. Everybody leaves going, feeling good. You know, you have some sponsors giving away stuff to one band. You have a cash prize to another. You have the win for another that gets to go and play the festival. You you know, you can find a way to make everybody a winner. I think that's a a big part of it. Um, But also just like putting love into the show and making sure it flows right. And the right bands are together and the right gear shares happen and the right this and that can all really change it from being this cold you know 20 minutes 40 minutes 20 minutes 40 minutes kind of night yeah. you know vote this whoever wins this you know who whoever brings the most busfuls of people win you know it's like yeah. it can be more than that and, and I think yeah. yeah and I think we did it really well and but beyond that my buddy and I we we went to every show. We listened to every band. We sat there and listened to 20 submissions for a city and said, these are the five that should be there for all the reasons, you know, and mm-hmm. would really put a lot of work into that. It wasn't just this simple little thing. I mean, we were, we were getting 10 to 20 submissions per city times 25 cities. And yeah. then we're going to every show and listening and introducing <laughs> and working the doors and driving to the next show. And it was, you know, it was awesome. I'm still living off of those relationships and built in the music venue, you know, in the music venues and the and the the local bands. Like I'm still best friends and life friends with people that I met on those tours, and you know, doing it myself at Pops Blue Moon for a half a dozen years, and then going on tour for two three years to 
a hundred different places and seeing how everybody has the different flow of traffic and how they do different things. And here's the green room here and here's how their tickets are here. And, mm-hmm. you know, you take in all that, but you also meet all the people and you shake hands with them and you meet those like-minded souls out there that are just like you in their own cities. And, and, and that goes on forever because now a lot of those guys are my age. We all own businesses they own music venues. I own a beverage company. Mm-hmm. You know, I own a venue as well, still, and have owned other bigger ones. And for me, it's the that full circle of, you know, now I'm now I have a beverage company. I can go to music venues and offer them a non-alcoholic alternative, and give them twenty different options to choose from to put on their menu. And in theory, I can whether it's virtual or in person, go on these concert tours again and say hi to all the old friends and offer something up just like I did last time. I came in with festival slots at this big festival and this sponsors and all this money and all this party. And now this time I'm coming through with like a different groove, you know, it's, it's a, but it's all focused on the same crowd. It's all complimentary to the same things. I always tell people when I retire, I'm just going to go back to doing shows again. (laughs) You know, this is just a way for me to get a bunch of money so I can, you know, have a foundation to support all the things that I really love, which is back to the live music. Um, Um, Did you find uh, uh, back then, was it uh, because... I mean, I don't, I don't know how much you pay attention to us, but we are starting to book shows in the past six months or something right. as far as uh, a Beyond FM branded shows and putting things together. Um, how, how hard was it back then to, to book shows? Because a lot of bands like look at us and go, well, why do we need you if we can you know, book our own shows? anywhere or somewhere and what what we well, try you don't to, need them yeah. <laughs> you don't need those bands <laughs> yeah. we don't need you um but uh, as far as a promoter goes i mean the way i look at it is uh, especially younger bands like like you mentioned before is it's developing relationships so we've developed relationships with the venue owners and we make certain deals with them and also a lot of times like if you just show up, uh, you know, say you call a venue and, and they have, you know, rental fees or, or production costs or whatever, now all of a sudden you got to pay that. Where if it's us, we're covering that or we made that deal to cover that to take away from your cost. Or And most of the time we're, we're pull, pulling money out of our pocket to make sure that at least you're getting some kind of least gas money to play the show instead of nothing, you know. Um, was it pretty hard back then to to book shows and stuff or was everybody pretty open to you um i mean i you know my intro to the to that industry was was booking my own club so i kind of i i was blessed in that category where i was 21 years old and my dad asked me if i wanted to open a bar with him (laughs) you know and my house was literally upstairs and not my dad's house. I mean, my house was upstairs at 21. <laughs> I lived on the moon, literally, and, uh, and, and was working doubles and was like, I'm going to learn how to order liquor. I'm going to learn how to run sound, book the bands. I'm going to learn how to build a website. I'm going to learn how to talk to KDHX and get my stuff on the radio. 
I'm going to learn how to, you know, I just, mm-hmm. I learned how to do every single part of it. Mm-hmm. Work the door, answer the phone to the band saying, hey, can we get a gig? I knew every pitch that a band would send you after a year, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then when my bands were like, you know, my friend's bands were like, hey, can you help book us? I'm like, yeah, sure. I, I can do that like the back of my hand. Like yeah. I've heard every pitch there is. I know all the good ones. I know the bad ones. I know how to negotiate this stuff real fast. You know, I'm real good at it after 20 years. I can talk right through the conversation, answer, you know, ask the right questions and get where we need to as fast as that other person is willing to get to it in the conversation. Um, but I, you know, in, in doing that, I've always, I've always also spread myself a little thin trying to help everyone all the time. (laughs) You know what I mean? Where I'm like, I don't want to like, as a bar owner, you know, you want to take your, your, priorities and keep those in check but then as band manager and as the band and as the artist and as the promoter it's like I knew I was kind of I would see it from all the angles which would then in the end make it hard for me to to actually take advantage of any of them (laughs) of the angles because I was like so compassionate about each part I didn't want it to cost the customer too much I don't want it I want the artist to get paid enough I want the flyer to be designed properly and I want the artist designer to get paid. And I want, you know, it's like you, you go down the line, you want the right sponsor. You don't want to just take the money from the guy that's going to make you put, you know, his liquor logo all over everything, you know, and then, you know, and maybe some people don't really pay attention to that. But for me, I was always super passionate about the flyers and the posters and the, you know, I just the simple, uh, Moment that somebody walks by a window and looks at a big wall of posters and one catches their eye and somebody else walks by and that one catches their eye and the people you know, you, you're attracted to what you want to be attracted to into that moment. And for me, that art of attraction and the art of the concert poster was just this romantic moment, this event poster idea that you could take a local artist you could take a band that's playing an event, a location, and a, a date, and put them all together with a name and colors, and 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 then it appeals to someone who sees it and ends up at that event because they think it's for them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, and also the, uh, the, to to go back, like I'll look through, like you know, you you're on found them on Facebook or whatever, and I'm like looking through a, a band's page or whatever sure. looking through their um you vibe with it yeah and, and looking through their old like if they have old flyers and stuff on there and i'm like For sure and even when you see a flyer that it was a show that you went to and then you're like yeah i remember that night. oh yeah like, absolutely yeah. i mean yeah. the way that is a moment in time is that's an awesome thing you know and there's not a whole lot of how often do you get to make a day into a colorful work of art and then have a memory that's that visual you know what i mean like there's not a lot of things like that it's kind of why i really enjoy the it's another thing i love about the beverage space is you get to put art on cans and put it in people's hands and they get to enjoy it and have it be a part of them for that moment Mm -hmm. there's a very deep connection that happens especially if you see it like if you see that, like, you know, they're just sitting out, out on the patio and they're having a good time and they're drinking your beverage. Right. You like, know, they're sharing like, that I, moment. I did this and they're having a good time with my product. Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah, and that's like, that's this whole Cheers brand is is that whole idea of that celebratory moment of having a drink and 
treating yourself or, you know, you worked hard for it or you deserve it or you're taking a break or whatever. Like that's the, that celebratory moment. That's the whole cheers concept is, is to offer drinks that are cool looking, fun, have art on the cans and they're, they don't have alcohol in them. It doesn't have the part that's like, everybody's like, Oh, well, yeah, that, if it's going to look cool and feel good and be a celebratory drink, well, it's got to have alcohol in it. It you know, matter. and nowadays we're getting to where people are more open-minded to other things and just taking that alcohol out and saying, look, you can still have a cool name. This is called creme de la creme. It's a creamy, sparkling water, but it's, and it doesn't have to have alcohol in it. It tastes like something that would. Well, and, but, and for me, uh, just being me and doing what I do, um, you know, and you know how it is even being involved in stuff. You're, you're at clubs and you're out late at night. Um, I don't want to go. I don't go and and, and get smashed when I'm there because one, I'm trying to conduct a little bit of business, you know, even if it's just talking to bands and stuff like that. And I don't like, hey guys, what's up? You guys sound great, you know. Um, I haven't never been a huge drinker anyway, but the way I look at it is like, um, I wanted something. I want something that is not that. It's something different, but I can still enjoy. Even if I'm, even if I'm having a, a we'll just say a Red Bull or something at the bar, you know, it's alternative so this is another alternative that that i'm looking into because one it already tastes good and two it hopefully it it makes me feel good right well we're starting out light so um don't worry mom most people do you know do you feel your first beer some people do some people don't some people takes two or three and that that potency of that drink that you're drinking is is there for a reason to help people that want to figure out if it's two or three. Cause if you were to start with this 20, you may not know what five would have felt like. Yeah. You know, it might've been enough. Yeah. And five might've been enough and 20 might be too much on my might, first one. It might be too much or it just might be wasting something you just didn't need. You okay. know, you're like, yeah. Well, I tell you what, let's take a break and then we're going to come back and we're talking about, we'll talk about mighty kind and, and the start of that. And, you know, all the products you got to offer and, and different things like that. How about that? Break time it is. All right. We'll be right back on Beyond FM. Stuck in a hell of a day, some media craze manipulates my gaze. The bottle, the breeze of Hollywood waves, dreaming of becoming a hero, trick or treating pranks. This listen up, it's time to hear a method of wisdom. If there is an ancient force governing and always regulating us, captivate and demonstrate the rules of engagement. Till we shut, look or not, drop to the pavement. Strengthen a statement and just another melody from the basement, from the depths of my mind. I'm a patient man with an imagination of an assailant Attacking knowledge evident in society I understand not everything is what it ought to be To strengthen our vision, gotta lie to me False opportunities with all the rumors trying to be Creating mass from nothing but fuck that half I laugh, start blasting something Can't cast a stone, turn your back to confront them But be prepared because the competition's up and running And the big gunning for you and me Oh, 
their path Let a little light into your room Pretending it's morning In front of our eyes I thought you knew But chose to ignore it Let a little light into your room Pretending it's morning In front of our eyes I thought you knew When we see the best of everything STL we mean everything. 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 This is Beyond FM. Feel 
sleeves on a big top And I'll just shine in my sun Oh, yes, it was And I awoke my eyes From the cruel compromise And yes, I realize We all are one And I can find my peace In this big top trees And yes, I feel the healing has begun It is the best of everything STL Beyond FM. Hanging out with Joshua Loyal, and uh, we're in his little laboratory next to uh, Pops Blue Moon. Uh, and we'll talk more about Mighty Kind here in a few minutes. But one thing I, I wanted to talk to Josh about, since he's he has been involved in the music scene um, for 20 years now, and, and I wanted to pick his brain a little bit about um, how things were kind of back in the day compared to now and uh i mean one of my thought one of my theories is and because i mean if you don't know i know you're paying attention to what i'm doing and i'm trying to bring awareness to uh the average st louisan who does not know how good the st louis music scene is um and that's been one of my biggest thing is st louis just doesn't know how good st louis is um so Back in the day, you know, when we had, you know, the, the, the I guess, the, you know, 90s, whenever the urge was coming up and fragile porcelain mice, and then, you know, you had all the point essential stuff, and and then you even had, you know, the uh, kind of the surge again with story of the year and Calvo and modern day zero. And then, and my big thing is like when Nelly really hit, and you thought, I mean, I know a lot of people thought, okay, St. Louis is now going to be on the map because, you know, we're in, you know, top 40 now and we're hitting number ones and stuff like that. And, and then it just kind of now, now doesn't last very long, I think is what happens. <laughs> just, like, You're like, we're in, the, we're going to be big now. And we're like, okay. But then it, it like, yeah, it's like bye before it happens. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I, I think, I think you're explaining a lot of where I don't think most people don't. I don't know. How many cities stay there for too long? Unless you're L.A. or New York or Nashville. Yeah. Maybe Chicago holds on a little bit, but. I guess I'm trying to make myself feel, make ourselves feel better for not, you know, it's like, hey, who who really does hang on longer than a a moment? I mean, we had our Nelly moment. At least we had one. Yeah. At least our city can say we had a moment. Yeah. You know, I, I think. I mean, you know, Smino's hot right now. <laughs> see the next Nelly? I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, I I think it's different is the answer, and it's always going to be different. And the, the 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 measure of success, Taro, the, the how you measure that success is going to keep changing. You know, I mean, I think if you talk to artists and what they were trying to accomplish 
I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not an artist specifically. I, I, I do all this stuff because I can't play. Yeah. I, I maybe should have started out with that in my introduction. <laughs> um, but if I could play, I, I, you probably wouldn't be sitting here. I would have taken a much different path. Um, but uh, everything happens for a reason, and um, I'm happy to support all those that can play. Uh, but I think I, I think that what the artists are wanting to get out of their careers uh, perhaps is changing. I mean, I know, I know personally my, what I'm wanting to get out of my career is, is changing and I'm, you know, I'm not as, it's kind of like you have, it's a moving target, I guess is my answer to that. And things are, certain things are going to be the same where it's always going to take passion and it's going to take work ethic and those types of things are going to be crucial, you know, um, authenticity, yeah. you know, a lot of those, those, those are always, those are going to withstand the test of time, but whether you're trying to you know, get the most likes or follows or yeah, I mean I think that's the big difference between back then and, and now is like back then you know everybody want to get signed and stuff like that and, and really now it's like right. is there really a such thing as getting signed right. anymore you know uh, wouldn't you rather have your own drink yeah <laughs> your own, make your own you, beverage how about your own beverage um, and, and a, we can get back to that but, but now but now some people are, are just more just satisfied with maybe how many spotify hits they have or how many followers they have on tiktok or or things like that and they're not necessarily i want to say concentrating but it seems like they're not concentrating on putting necessarily asses in the seats at home or wanting to like maybe their goal is not to play out of town right like okay you know i'm just happy with playing you know once every three months you know if i'm lucky and and that's all i want which is fine and that's where i kind of say the goals are different like there was a clearer uh point a to point b route for bands and artists and things i mean there's still different channels whether you were going for a certain you know, type of performance or genre and where those concerts and, you know, how that works is different in different genres. But I I think there's a, now there's just a, a bunch more opportunities for success for, for different avenues. Like you said, it's not all just about being on tour and grinding and playing into different, you know, doing the mega tour, which for a while that was it. And now there's, a dozen other outlets that you could make revenue streams and make a living off of if you focus on. And I, I think that's both more difficult and better at the same time. You know, it's amazing and it's difficult to stay focused. It's like, well, how do you do all that? It's like, well, you probably shouldn't try to do it all. First of all, <laughs> you know, take, yeah. take your steps, do what is feeling right and most fulfilling to you? Are you a touring artist or you're a recording artist? You know, are you a, you know, introvert or do you want to be out there? You know, what is, what are you and focus on you? And, and I think ultimately that's where the passion and the authenticity and things, those are, those are going to keep coming back as your answers when you're stuck, you know, it's like, well, what do I do now? It's like, well, what feels right? Yeah. What you, what's going to get you up in the morning and really make you, you know, play the best song you've ever played. 
is it going to be because it's on the radio and that's where your soul needs people to hear you because that's what will make you happy or is it playing in front of a crowd or playing in front of a campsite or playing in front of a camera in your basement you know like what is it that really works for you and I, I I think that is that that would be my answer as to what has changed I think it was a little there was there were less options back in 20 years ago even yeah it was happening, but it was still like it was newer and it was less accessible and you had to have all bulky equipment or you had to, you know, no, or you had to have money to record. You know, right. Now you can, you know, spend, we'll even say a thousand dollars and you record an album. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can have a hit song that can then build, you know, take you where you need to go and afford, afford the trip. Yeah. Um, but all of that takes focus and having a you know, one song even just takes the, you know, the ability to play that song over and over again. <laughs> so, some people don't have that, you know, they, they can play that song once and it'll be amazing. And that's, and that's, what's going to make them happy is to play it once. But what the world might want them to play is that song a hundred thousand times, you know? Yeah. So I, I think, um, you know, ultimately I think the, a lot of the things are still the same. There's still the hard grind. Um, I will say the the knowledge of of the beverage or of the merchandising of of creating products and real tangible, you know, revenue stream type, you know, support to the artist's dreams and visions is something that is is crucial and you you know it, it leads to things whether it's the licensing deals or creating your own products and and managing it yourself whichever you know mm-hmm. um we see both can work well if you have a licensing deal it can be pulled from you at any moment right yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but if you do shit your own way then nobody can say anything but it's difficult and that's you know I respect both of those ways. Yay. But I, and I tend to take the, you know, route of doing everything, figuring it all out, doing it all myself. And that's how I did it when I was booking. When I started Loyal Family, I went out and booked shows. I was booking two or three nights at Old Rock House. I was booking one night a week at the Oyster Bar, one night a week at Off-Broadway, one night a week at Venice Cafe, all on top of five or six nights a week at Pops Blue Moon. I have like, I think I'm between four and 5,000 shows at this point. Nice. And, you know, that's exciting and super proud to say it, you know, and, and that's something that I've, I, I, like I said, I, if I retire, I'll probably go back to doing shows, you know. So since I'll ask this and, I, and I'll be uh, transparent since we're still we're a little green at booking shows, what kind of what kind of advice would you give us? Um, well, to start, I would say book the shows that you want to sh- you want to book and and create things and be proactive and don't just try to answer the phone and react to what's needed because it's more chaotic that way and I, I think everything is a balance and you want to be there for people when they're calling absolutely but knowing when to say when and knowing when your week is too full and your schedule's 
it, there's there's a lot of value in knowing when to say you can't help, knowing when to say no. Uh, don't be the promoter that just gets in the way when they could have gone and done something better without you clogging up the. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna. I'm on a tangent at that point. But, uh, I may be speaking to someone out there in their heart, and they are listening, and they're gonna get out of the way now. So if that works, then it was worth the moment, the distraction. Um, and I've I've known looking back at times that I should have gotten out of the way. So I'll be honest. And there's some, you know, there's some acceptance there. Um, I. I Nobody's perfect at all, and nobody's should you know that word probably didn't even need to come up. But I, I uh, there were plenty of times where you know I just think that that would be my advice though to some people. Sometimes is that sometimes the best thing you can do as a promoter is pass on the show and let somebody else promote it. <laughs> there we go. And that you know that means focus on the ones you can do and the fo- focus on the ones that you know you're gonna be all in on or or you're going to do what you need to do for your piece nobody has to be all in on everything but um, that and don't try to do it all yourself collaborate collaborate yeah collaborate the more the better I've been preaching uh, that since I started you difficult can't do, you can't to, do things by yourself difficult to yeah. co- collaborate but one of the only one of the biggest reasons it's difficult to collaborate is it forces you to get your own shit together yeah because you have to actually be transparent with someone else instead of keeping all the what ifs and the maybes in your head and knowing that you, you're a smart person and you can get through it because you're creative and hard worker and you'll deal with it. Well, that's fine. But the more you get that out of your head and explain it to another person that's trying to help and trying to do the same thing you are, the more you're going to figure out and become a powerhouse and... You know, you can both have your own names on something. It doesn't have to be everybody, you know, don't have to have a power struggle over who gets what. Everybody should get a little but something. Just go into it saying everybody's going to win. Not, this is my show and I'm going to do this. And I that, that artist should be coming to me because I booked him last time. And it's like, okay, well, that's, there's a point there. But why isn't he coming to you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe answer that and then really answer that. And make sure you're answering it from his point of view, not just your own. Sometimes you'll probably figure it out. <laughs> that answer might be there. Uh, and, and so, uh, yeah. As you point. can see, I could probably dive down a, a bunch of wormholes. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, with thousands of shows under your belt, you, you, I'm sure you got stories. <laughs> all right, we'll come back and we're going to talk uh, a little bit about uh, Mighty Kind and uh, get you all uh, introduced to that for those of you who, who don't know what it is. And uh, I think it'll be an interesting discussion. So we'll be right back on Beyond FM. Just killing time 
Take a deep breath, there's finally no stress for me L-I-V-I-N-G Ooh yeah Just living Ooh Take it all in stride Oh baby, don't you 
the best of everything STL Beyond FM. And thank you for uh, hanging out and tuning in. And if you're uh, listening to this on uh, Spotify and, and all that jazz, um, we uh, just to let you know, we do have a 24-hour-a-day, uh, seven-day-a-week radio station that plays all St. Louis area mm, artists and uh, of all genres and uh I, I'm pretty proud of the product, and it's called Beyond FM 24-7, and uh, we have our own app, and you can download it for iOS and Android, and so uh, I encourage you to check it out, uh, especially if you like all kinds of, of music and, and like mixing it up a bit. Uh, that's what we do, and uh, I enjoy it, and so... But thank you for hanging out with us right now, and uh, we're hanging out with uh, Joshua Loyal, and uh, so let's talk about... Uh, mighty kind uh i mean i know we talked earlier that you know uh you know your your dad got into the business of, you know uh, opening a bar but where did the you know where did the, all this come about yeah i i would um go back to like 2017 ish where i was about 8 years into running 2720 Cherokee um, which was most of my thirties. I, that was a great experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, but I was getting worn out. Uh, I had been in the bar business for almost 20 years at that point since 99. And I was just ready for something different, but I didn't want to lose. I didn't want to leave the live music, the events, the nightlife, the, you know, the, those are my people. Those are where I feel like I'm at home and even though I can't play an instrument <laughs> as I said uh, but I uh, you know I knew that that you know that 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 feels right and so for me a move away from that I was starting to become jaded I was just not so happy to be around and I was I decided to sell the venue to a group of friends. I had a decision that a lot of people don't know about. I won't go in too deep, but I had two options on who I could sell it to. And I decided to sell it to my friends and keep it in the community um, versus getting my own office and a vacation and a little... <laughs> royalty out of yeah. giving somebody else the opportunity to run a place. Um, and I'm happy with the decision I made. Very happy in hindsight. Uh, even though it ended up not being a financially beneficial for me, it, uh, it made me, f- I felt like I did the right thing uh, for everything, everyone involved. Um, the neighborhood, the people, the, all of the above. It went to the right people. Um, and they tried and gave it their best, but running a 20,000 square foot venue on Cherokee street is not an easy task. Yeah. No matter what year it is. Um, it hasn't gotten any easier. Um, and so they threw in the towel shortly after I, when I sold the venue to them and just kind of went back to the blue moon I started hanging out with my friend Pete Walliger at the time in his art studio on the laser cutter and just kind of helping him with stencils and uh, booking shows at the moon again. Oh, it was like being on vacation after 
you know, yeah, eight, or nine, eight or nine years yeah. of a 20,000 square foot space where you had a thousand people in there sometimes and thought the whole floor was going to fall in or something. Um, so, you know, which again, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was, it was awesome. Um, I just needed something different and I met, uh, Jeff and Genevieve from Wellbeing Brewing. They were launching this NA craft beer and I was like, that's weird. I don't think I'd drink that, but <laughs> I mean, but I think I could sell it and it might be a way I'm like, if I could do any craft beer, like, and promote that in the bars that keep me in the bars, keep me in the scene, keep mm-hmm. me at shows, live music. I'm like, wait a second, this all makes sense. I'm like, there's a lot of people that need any beer that tastes good. Like, cause it all tastes like shit. And so it's just like, it, it was like this idea that I couldn't even, I was like, Whoa, that's, I was looking for something. I didn't know what I was looking for. And then it was like, hey, you're on that, not, you're not drinking right now. Cause I kind of gave up alcohol just to get away from my alcohol sponsor friends and my, the, it was like everything I was doing was surrounded by alcohol. Yeah. And the music scene is all very much like that. And so it's just ingrained in the community, you know? I mean, I was drinking shots with the musicians that I was booking and we were all doing it together, you know? And it was like after seeing that, firsthand you know and realizing that there's there's another way there's other things there's different feels there's pros and cons that people just if they just think about their if they just had an alternate option they would take it and for me it was like I don't have a sweet tooth my sister and I out of two out of five kids were born without a sweet tooth just no ice cream, no birthday cake, no, I mean, fruit is too sweet for me, literally. So it's, it's very extreme, which that part sucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, at the same time I was, so I've been passionate authentically about making sugar-free cannabis drinks and sugar-free beverages, alternate to alternatives to alcohol for myself, because I was in this bar scene, I was in the music scene, in the nightlife scene, I didn't have a, a sweet tooth, so I needed something. I couldn't drink tea all the time. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can, but it's just like water and tea. I'm just like, man, I need something else. And so for me, I I literally went and created drinks that were, you know, I saw a space. I was like, well, if NA craft beer is working, NA, and, and then hard seltzers are you know, billion dollars a week business, Yeah, you know, five years ago, four years ago, it just came on the scene, like a huge wave. And I was like, there's a, there's like a soft seltzer. There's a, there's a middle ground. That's not alcohol. It's not beer. It's not tea. Like it's, kind of this social beverage that could happen that could exist and well plus you're we're running into uh i mean now especially this day and age now is that marijuana is no longer taboo right you know what i mean and now yeah. it's like now it's almost a, a health thing like right you know, healthy people are going hey you ought to do this it's and a, take that. it and, is yeah. a, it's becoming a, a a healthy and people are know. getting more educated to the science of it as well so yeah yeah yeah, and and so we've created three lanes of beverages. We have a non-alcoholic, non-infused lane, which is Cheers. We have a CBD lane, and then we have THC lane. And, you know, those are very different. They talk to different people. 
You know, they're all non-alcoholic options, so they're all kind of under the same umbrella of what I'm, you know, my mission. Yeah. Uh, but at this, but some give a buzz. Some are just for anti-inflammatory or stress relief. Some are just for the flavor and the aroma and the can art and the conversation. And those are plenty of things. I just said four big things. Yeah. You know, and it's like those are those are super important. So somebody's like, why would I pay for something that doesn't get me? a feeling or I'm like, I think you are not in touch with your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> that could be the problem there. Uh, again, I, uh, sometimes it's just a different question that needs to be asked. Um, but I, the, you know, so I've been very passionate about bringing these there. I often say they're kind of a light in a, in a dark scene and not that the scene is always dark, but it's a dim room. I mean, where I've, I've been in a dim bar for 23 years. There's certain things that if you don't, put a light on it could be a colored light it doesn't have to be like bright white light Mm -hmm. but turning on a little bit of mood lighting can sometimes you know bring a bring a new energy to that space and i think that's what this drink world mighty kind for me it's a way for me to give back to the music community it's a way for me to give back to the musicians you know the the call that i make and the email that i send the most right now is, hey, does your event want uh, free drinks for the artist and production crew? Because that's my, you know, that's where I, I know those people. I know they need it. I know they, you know, they're probably going to drink a vodka club soda or a Corona just because it has a lime in it, literally, you know? Yeah. When they would drink something else that would make them feel a little bit in a different direction versus a, that because they just want something cold and they want to go to the bar and talk to somebody and they want to get a drink and they want to be a part of what's happening. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to accept that you're going to have two or three or four drinks that night. So I, for me, there's a passion after 20 years in the bar business, I'm offering an alternative, not just to alcohol, but like it's an alternative lifestyle, Yeah, you know, and that takes products that takes education. It takes stickers and hats and hoodies and you know, the whole vibe and mm-hmm. sitting here talking to people about it. <laughs> So oh, where'd you, uh, where'd you get, what does the name come from? Uh, fun part for me again is one of my favorite bands. Um, a CD that I had in my little boom box next to my boy's bed. When my child was born, I had a little boom box that would play a CD when he was going to bed. Mm-hmm. And the name of the band was mighty kind. And it was actually spelled M Y. T-E-A-K-I-N-D. They were from Oklahoma. It was three sisters and and a guy, James, on guitar that kind of reminded me of a Beck or like Bob Dylan-ish kind of character. Had this kind of... Yeah, voice. It was kind of talk like this. (laughs) Only when he was singing, not when he would talk normal. And I don't know if that was good or not, but... Um, but then the three sisters, two of the sisters uh, were Bonnie Payne and Annie Payne. Bonnie Payne is the amazing, angelic, multi-language linguist, whatever that is, that word is. Uh, she's an amazing soul and voice and musician in uh, the band Elephant Revival, uh, which is a pretty, was a pretty well-known uh bluegrass roots rock type band out of Colorado. Um, they just played red, red rocks, I think as like a reunion show recently, 
but Mighty Kind went on to, part of them went on to be Elephant Revival. Uh, I met Bridget Law, the amazing fiddle player, who is now in her husband's band, the Tierro Band, with special guest Bridget Law. But anyway, those are like lifelong friends that um, they would be watching my child when we were at music festivals, you know, 13 years ago. Um, the uh, But Mighty Kind was a fun band. They used to play at the Blue Moon. I probably played that CD a thousand times, you know, just over and over again. The music was like perfect for, and I have multiple pe- friends that played it for their kids too. The music was like, wasn't written for kids, but it was just kind of great for everyone. So anyway, the, the mighty kind beyond that, beyond being a reference to a band, cause that's fitting for this conversation. Yeah. Uh, mighty is somewhat of a ode to the, to the Mississippi. Um, and kind is, you know, has lots of meaning in the, in the cannabis world. Um, as well as, kindness so it all just kind of works together um you know the mighty mississippi the kindness good energy flowing the river the you know weed (laughs) uh in the end mighty kind you can kind of see a similarity from loyal family to mighty kind for me that's that evolution of you know loyal families at my foundation and has been my last 20 years. Mighty Kind is kind of the the next phase for me where I went from focusing on music and clothing lines and graphic design posters and all the fun stuff that, you know, that was all a great couple decades. <laughs> and now the plan is to do one decade, which I'm four years into, uh, retire at 50, and then go back to doing shows, <laughs> uh, you know, with hopefully millions of dollars or at least just at least enough that I don't have to worry about, you know, losing it on a show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel you on that oh, one, man. And if I have enough, all the shows will be free. Yeah, so, be you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And, and I'll do it in a way where it doesn't, exp- you know, try to make, I'll be aware that that doesn't mean everybody should expect all the shows to be free. How about that? <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Can you tell I'm slightly aware of just about every little microcosm of live music in the local scene and booking shows and everything? They're like, wait, did you just say free shows? Well, nobody's going to pay for our shows now. (laughs) Josh is throwing free shows every week. All right, maybe some really, really (laughs) good $5 shows. How about on my birthday once a year? Can I throw a big free show then? (laughs) Um, So, where can people buy this from? Uh, Well,. We um, we have a, a website be be mighty kind uh, b e and then mighty kind dot com. Um, so be mighty kind has a store locator. I think we're in about two hundred and fifty stores in Missouri right now across the the state. Um, Three hundred and fifty nationwide. Um, we. You know, we have the different lanes, so right now we're building out our our websites and our store locators to get more detailed to really nail down which which drink you can find where, you know, and getting more specific with all that. So um but shop dot which you know, you'll find at our website. 
uh, we ship nationwide. So if you're outside of the Missouri or Oklahoma areas, which we have pretty well covered, um, you can order online. And would they have any problem with if, say, they're in, you know in a state that that it's not it legal, is it's where it's illegal? Can you still order it from there? You know, we'd have to probably schedule a whole nother interview to talk about <laughs> legality. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's constantly changing. Uh, the fun thing about laws is that they are up for interpretation. And if anybody wants to know what I think about that. USA Today, three weeks ago, if you Google Mighty Kind and USA Today, our can was on the cover of the article, on the front of the article. Um, It's all about why what we're doing is currently legal as the law is written. So there's there's a great opportunity right now for hemp derived beverages of all kinds to uh you know to uh for now they're accessible they're legal to ship to most all states it's a less than 0.3% by weight is what the differentiation for hemp to, to marijuana is uh so until they write some better laws that specify what to do with an edible mm-hmm. and and a drink specifically then there's kind of a little open room for interpretation there. Gotcha. Uh, so, you know, there are certain states that we don't ship to because we know they really don't want us to. And we try to stay on top of who that is, but that's a moving target. There's no place to go that says, okay, this is the the real answer. It's just this is the best answer we have at this time. Gotcha. <laughs> you know? Staying up to date on that stuff, I I live and breathe that language and the the it's really it it, it changes from one person to the next when you talk about it. So, gotcha. Like I said, probably needs another interview. We don't want to bore people <laughs> about that stuff. Yeah. All right. For two, two more questions, and then we'll we'll get out of here. Yeah. First of all, will there be some sort of like mighty kind fest at one time? You think? I mean, if it were me, absolutely, it would already be happening. I would say yes um, in one form or another. Um, it it might be a, a festival that Mighty Kind is supporting, and we, you know, I have to... <laughs> You can tell it's not real easy for me, but I have to say no to spreading myself too thin on where I'm at and my focus. Yeah. Uh, throwing an event and putting together a festival is, is a lot of time, and especially if you want to do it right. And I have always been one who tried to do things right and not just do them. Yeah. Uh, like I said earlier, if you're not going to do it right, get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Let somebody else do it because just doing it isn't, isn't doing anybody a justice sometimes sometimes isn't the right answer uh when another person could have done it better um so i uh, right now if i were to try to throw a festival it just wouldn't get enough love and attention uh between being a dad and finding the balance in my my home life uh which you know i work 100 hours a week so there's not a whole lot of (laughs) time left in there (laughs) for that uh 
a festival is the farthest thing from my list of things I should be thinking about. Do I want to throw a festival? Yes. Will I someday? Probably. I have, you know, I threw Zojam when I was first entering the scene with George Clinton as a headliner. That's pretty much like 20 years of promotion in one night, one week, one weekend. I mean, literally, I think I was crying at one point. I, I was, there was so much I was going through. I took two giant tour buses down to Salem, Missouri in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> one whole bus missed their flights the next morning. I mean, it was, we turned cabins into dressing rooms with covered them in sheets. We had, we were the most gullible promoters ever, probably for them to come. We had, hot fried chicken when they came off the stage we had tea coffee we, it was like we built a small town at camp Zoo <laughs> for this 40 person crew of parliament i thought the stage was gonna fall down i was watching them headline and i was like the whole goddamn stage is gonna fall down i'm gonna go in history for killing george clinton this is gonna happen uh you know i did that i did loyal earth festival in 2009 Five, four years later, which was the first outdoor festival at Old Rock House that had Modesky, Martin, and Wood. And I mean, it was a fun, it was a kick ass lineup of like five days. We had Pretty Lights was there and Iodo and Cornmeal and Boombox and Particle and all these fun jam related or grassy or jazzy or whatever bands. And it was an amazing, like, earth, you know eco-responsible festival. That was a great one to check off the list. Yeah. One last yeah. thing while, you, sorry, while, you're, yeah, while you're reminiscing. <laughs> while, while you're reminiscing, I'll, yeah, just, yeah, I'll yeah. ask you this and then, we'll, and then we'll part. So what has been your favorite moment so far in, in this whole career? Hmm. I don't... A favorite moment... We're talking music, right? Just to give it a direction? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, yeah. <laughs> give, me, give me some sort of... Um, I mean, I had a... I think, I think the night that Mike Gordon was at Pop Swim Moon was pretty epic of, of an evening for like me and five of my friends and the three musicians that were playing with him and jamming with him from like 2 in the morning to 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> You know, the bar was closed. It was like, hey, Mike, welcome to the moon. I'm like, I just said that. I just said that to Mike Gordon. <laughs> you know, and at that time, like, you know, I was kind of a fish head at that time, and I still always am. They're one of the best bands of all time. But I, uh, to have him there playing with my friends, I'm behind the bar. He was like, oh, I haven't hit a bong in a long time, and like, hit a bong. <laughs> and like, it was just all such a surreal moment of I have my own little venue, I have my friends playing. Mike Gordon's playing with him. Yeah. I'm passing the it ball. Was just the, it was the, just the whole thing. Yeah. It all kind of comes yeah, together at that moment. You. I mean, I that one shines. I had a really amazing conversation with David Grisman, um, which will always be in my memory, burned in there in the best way ever. Um, I was eating a lot of mushrooms on, at the moment, <laughs> and I didn't realize it, but I walked into his personal hospitality like tent. Uh, down at the Black River at uh, 
like the it was either salmon fest or whatever they would, used to do down at the Black River Bearcat Getaway, and they were playing on a Sunday night. Umphreys and Chris David Grisman were on a Sunday night, and the Umphreys guys were all like my age, and we were all young. And I just walked into this room, thought it was the catering tent. I was the only one in there. I'm sitting down eating the food <laughs> and David Grisman walks in and I'm like, I did, still didn't know. I thought he came into the catering tent. I didn't realize I was in his and he sits down next to me and he's like talking to me and, and then the security comes in and, and I'm like with a, a, like a woman and a security guard and they come in and they're like right there. They point and I'm like, I like, what did I do? You know? and, and David's like, no, no, he's fine. He's with me. He's fine. And like, I was like, Whoa, I just got like David just said, You're fine. You know, we were having a fine conversation. I was probably like beaming and shining and glowing and smirking and everything, but we were sitting there having a good conversation. In walks uh, Enrique Correa, which is this like Latin guitar player that's like, he walked in super clean shaven, slicked hair, silk shirt, half unbuttoned, just like like flat picking this guitar and I was just like and then in this fiddle player walks in and I'm like holy shit like what is going on and they're all like kind of pre-show which I still didn't realize even then I was like what the hell is going where what what am I doing I didn't even I was like why are they all in the fucking catering tent with their musicians with their instruments and so then a, a girl comes in with the hospitality and is like hey David um you know, would you like an indica or a sativa? And like passes, you know, joints around. We all get super high. I'm like smirking and smiling at the late, the lady. Like I was like, what is going on? I'm talking to David Christman and we're all getting high. And this is the best day of my life. And but we were having a really good conversation before that all got you know fun and whatever. Yeah. And then uh, he he pulls out a little wooden box and he's like, well, you guys let me taste yours. Now we can taste mine. It was this little tiny pinner of a joint that like barely made it around once. <laughs> you know, the other ones were big fat cones and stuff. And he's like, passes this little thing that gets around one time, I think. Um, and then we walk out and I, and I, and that's when it all kind of hits me. I, we, everybody kind of leaves the tent. I walk out, just me and David next to each other. He's got his mandolin in his hand. And I look back, and it says Dave Grisman, like, tent, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, and somebody comes up, and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, at that point, I, I was like, happens. I don't I don't know. And I'm walking next to him, and I don't want it to, like, ruin the moment, right? Yeah. And he, and then we get to the row of Johnny on the spots that, that it was all backstage, and he goes into the Johnny, and I'm like, I'm like standing there. I don't know what to do. I'm like, so I just wait, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm just waiting for him. I don't, he didn't say anything. I don't want to walk away. Cause this is a pretty cool moment. Yeah. He comes back. He's like, Hey, I'm like, Hey, and we just start walking again. Like it was normal, <laughs> just me and him. And, and I still didn't know the moment I didn't realize, but that was the preset joints, the preset moment. We get to the back of the stage, and it was like he knew it the whole time, but I was in freaking La La Land. You know, I was bouncing from cloud to cloud or whatever. I was like, I didn't, I didn't really know where I was. And I hear, David Christman! And he, like, walks up the stairs. He's like, see ya! And he walks up the stairs and goes and walks out. And I'm like, and I, like, whipped out my disposable camera that I had at the time. You know, 2001 or something this is. Whip out a disposable camera and was like, and like take a flash of his ass like going up the steps it was literally and he turns around and I was like 
like put it I played it cool all the way to the end and then I was like and I tried to take a picture of the back of David Grisman and, and I don't know and then I went out in the crowd and was with my friends and I'm like nobody has any idea what I just did like I was just hanging with the, the whole band and now they're on stage and I'm like making eye contact with them and that was a pretty cool moment for me it was like meeting Jerry Garcia you know yeah. I'm kind of a I got a good hippie at heart in me and that night having that conversation with this big white beard and big white hair and just this cool guy that it was like I felt like I was talking to somebody like Jerry you know it was like it was godly at that time to give it a weird word <laughs> uh, so you know David Grisman was a cool one that was a that was a pretty neat moment musically and and just also you know stumbling in on mushrooms to the to, to the wrong tent yeah. Uh, I mean, but they they say never eat your, meet your idols, but I guess you you ended up doing it. And in, I smoked in a, in a wild way. And I smoked weed with both yeah. of them. You know, I think maybe there's something to be said there. Is that like my come up a couple of my favorite moments in time are when I smoked weed with like some of the cool you know some idols. I, I you know I wouldn't say Mike Gordon's an idol, but he's an amazing bass player yeah. and all the things and and a cool dude and I, I, he wears cool shoes and uh, <laughs> I like I like fun colorful shoes. Uh, so yeah, those are some good moments. I'm sure I'll probably think of a few more that I should have brought up at this very moment. Yeah. But you'll, you'll think already, about it later on, you know, night, like two in the morning. You're like, damn, I should have said that one. <laughs> I made sure to talk about Benny Smith and James Crutchfield because they're at the heart of everything that I think I do. Gotcha. Um, try and you know, for me, even Mighty Kind, if it can give back to live music in any way beyond me giving them free drinks at the part, you know, shows and stuff. I mean, if I can create some change and some better, something better in that space, I mean, it's like, geez, I sound like Kanye again. (laughs) If nothing else, if, if it can just create some change, if, if what I'm doing will just help that next contract to not take advantage of that next artist, then I will be happy with my life and it will be worth it. And I, all this will be worth it. <laughs> Not to compare myself to him, but yep. I, I will. Anyway, that's the way I am. Positive, I'm like, what I do, if I can bring just, even if I'm lucky to bring one act to the, to the next level, yep. then I'm like, okay, I did my job. I can go, I can go. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> I mean, as busy as I am and I'm not trying to toot the busy horn or whatever, I'm still on social media trying to help a band figure out how to put their website into their bio on Instagram, you know, or whatever, yeah. so that people can actually click on it and not just have to copy and paste it because nobody's doing that on their phones. Yeah. You know, or just a little tiny thing. Like, I still, it's in my soul to try and help that happen. Also, because, like, you know, I probably just figured it out a year ago myself. <laughs> <laughs> that was always the loyal family. I was like, I'm going to figure out each hurdle that, that, this bar and this live music and things on my own. And then I'm going to try and pass it on to everybody else. And it was always this two headed beast of like, I'm doing it for myself and I'm trying to offer it to everybody else. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I love the, the, you know, the vibe that you're putting off and just at the core, it's just trying to help. And you know, that's, there can never be too much of that. No, we need a lot more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time and hanging out, and uh, I am enjoying your beverage, and I'm going to look into getting more and trying other other flavors and stuff, and and uh, hopefully that's a it's a it's a um, 
like we, we were talking about off off air or off mic, um, you know, I'm looking for an alternative that's not like, like you said, like what you're offering is it's it's not a it's not alcoholic. And, you know, and uh, I'm not gonna lie, I'm getting old <laughs> or older, you know, and I'm like, I would enjoy something that would kind of, you know, take away from the daily aches and, and veins and, and whatever, maybe help me sleep a little better or, you know, whatever. Absolutely. So this may be the answer. So it's got to find the right dosage. Yep. And I will try it. Right. Right. I'm, dosage, I'm right. Happy. Flavor. Then, and I'll be set. I'll be hooked. I'm happy to help you get there. All right. Well, I appreciate your time, and uh, thank you all for uh, listening as well. And uh, we will talk to you soon, and thanks for tuning in to Beyond FM, and good night.